I know many of you have seen the recent movie that came out called The Sound of Freedom. It highlights many important topics, but one of them is the safety of our children. It can be a struggle to know how to equip our kids to know what to do in dangerous situations without instilling fear and anxiety in them. So we'll be talking about that today on the Dorinda Wilson podcast. Welcome everyone. I'm Dorinda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at the Dorinda Wilson podcast. And you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. I also want to let you know that I have a free digital download. It's a devotional written specifically to accompany the four-hour school day. And you can get that for free by simply signing up for my monthly email newsletter. I'll leave a link in the show notes with that information. All right. Also, I wanted to let you know, as I do every week, uh, about one of my favorite math resources. Um, It's CTC Math. Um, I recently got a testimonial from a mom and she said this, I now have my son on CTC Math. He's my oldest of five and he loves it. He told me he likes that he can move on faster than our previous material allowed. This also has freed me up to spend more focused time with my two and three-year-olds. This is fantastic. Thank you for telling your podcast listeners about CTC Math. I can already tell this will be very helpful for us. And moms, that is not the first message I've gotten from listeners. So I hope you'll check out CTC Math. They have a free trial and I will leave a link in the show notes. Also, be sure to listen for information that I'm going to be sharing at the end of the episode after prayer on an exciting resource from Classical Conversations. So in the last several months, this podcast has gone from 60,000 downloads a month to almost 100,000. Actually, we've over, we've superseded that. We're over 100,000. And one of the reasons is that you have left reviews and ratings, which allows more moms to find out about the podcast. So if you've been encouraged here on this podcast, please take a minute to rate and or review on your favorite podcast platform. All right, let's move on to our topic today. You know, the world can feel like a scary place, um, but children need to feel safe and secure rather than growing up scared or sheltered from potential dangers. In her book, Safeguards, Julie Lowe helps parents learn how to teach the safety skills that will help protect their kids from mistreatment, mistreatment, unsafe situations, violence, bullying, cybercrimes, predatory behavior, sexting abuse, and other kinds of danger that they might encounter. I'm excited today because Julie is here to share some of the wisdom that she shares in her book. Um, She is a faculty member at CCEF, which is Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, and a licensed professional counselor with nearly 20 years of counseling experience. She's also a registered play therapist and has developed a play therapy office at CCEF to better serve families, teens, and children. She's the author of Child Proof, Building Bridges, and Safeguards, as well as the mini books, Helping Your Anxious Child and Teens and Suicide. She and her husband, Greg, have five children, and they also serve as foster and adoptive parents. Wow, Julie, welcome. You're a busy lady. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk about this topic. Um, You know, there are some unique dangers that children face today that their parents didn't, and maybe you could just briefly sort of 
remind us of what those are compared to 20 or 30 years ago? Yeah, well, in some ways, uh, we know there's nothing new under the sun, but in other ways, we know there are new venues and avenues for uh, for evil to be done or or hard things to happen. And so probably the most prominent one is that of technology, that with the existence of technology, it has made it more tangible for our children to be exposed to inappropriate things, as well as people to pursue our children inappropriately. So that's probably one of the biggest ones mm-hmm. that stands out to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are there safeguards or things, uh, ways that we can help protect our kids when it comes to technology, some good guidelines or bo- uh, boundaries? Do you have any suggestions for that? Because parents are asking me that all the time. Yeah, well, there's there's a couple ways to answer that. The first is just the principles of teaching our kids discernment and teaching them to know good from mm-hmm. evil. Um, and then you go into the more practical applications. What does that look like in relationships and technology and some of these things. And I would argue that a lot of times our kids are confused when they enter into technology because they're not discerning and we haven't taught them to be mm-hmm. discerning. And so by the time something has crossed a line of appropriateness, they already feel like they're stuck in it and they're confused and they mm-hmm. feel complicit. So I start with the principles mm-hmm. of saying, I want my children to understand what what the potential dangers are with technology Um, how those things operate, then uh, until my child is old enough to be discerning and to uh, be able to evaluate those things, it's my job to protect them. So Mm -hmm. uh, a common question I get is, well, when should kids get a cell phone or how old should they be? And I think the better question is to say, how mature and wise is my child right now? How able are they to protect Mm -hmm. themselves um, how are they able to navigate this this huge chasm of both good and evil? And have I prepared them well? Are there reasons mm-hmm. for it? And even knowing our children's own, own hearts, where we know um, both with video games and technology and TV, that media is just a di- addictive for many of us. And so mm-hmm. there's this wisdom mm-hmm. principle that says how... Uh, do my children need this? And in what ways could it be beneficial to them? In what ways could it be harmful? And then as a parent, I know my individual child and say, at this time and stage in their life, is this a wise or unwise thing for them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those were really good questions. Um, the ones you just mentioned and then the ones at the beginning of when you were addressing this particular topic. Um and I think um, it's it's important to ask the right, right questions because you want to get the right answers. What you're looking for is discernment and wisdom. And that generally happens by asking more questions, better questions, specific questions like the ones you just asked. So I love that because we can jot these down and we can uh, take the time to assess each of our children and decide whether we think this is a good uh time in their life to go ahead and and be exposed to, you know, to handle the responsibility mm-hmm. of having a phone or, you know, even playing video games or getting online. I, I My experience has been when I first started parenting, there were, there was no social media, there were no phones, there was, you know, none. Of, so I have that to, I have that to draw from, like, what does life look like without those yeah. things? And I think that's a challenge for 
the current generation of moms who've grown up with all of those yes. things. So um, understanding that there actually can be and was a life completely outside of these things is, I feel like such a blessing. Right. And uh, I, you've probably had the the same experience and, 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 uh, and you have the same, you know, you able to draw from right. that as well. Right. So I think that's so important. And again, this is why it's so important for um, younger moms to seek the counsel mm. of older moms. There's just a perspective that comes with that. So we're happy that we can do that today uh, for the moms. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is in your book, Safeguards, you wrote um, that parents need to address and respond to safety issues regarding their children with an appropriate dose of realism and faith. So I'd love for you to explain a little more about what that balance might look like, because I know that it's really easy to go in one ditch yeah. or the other. Yeah, the the extremes of either we are in denial, we don't want to talk about hard things, we don't want to think about hard things, we don't, we don't want to believe our children could have a teacher or a coach who could potentially groom them or be an offender, a pedophile. So mm-hmm. we ignore talking about it. We don't talk to our kids. We don't want them to be... Um, worry. We don't want to uh, put those thoughts in their head. So we avoid it altogether. And that's living in denial. That's not teaching our kids. It's not giving them the skills to distinguish good from evil. And it's not giving them the practice to know what that might look like. And that's how scripture talks about discernment and wisdom, that we prepare our children, we equip them not to instill fear, but to instill competency. But then you have parents who probably swing the other direction where they worry about everything. They fear everything. And actually, uh, parents who are fearful parents raise fearful kids. We don't raise competent, equipped kids. We raise fearful kids who actually feel paralyzed by the things of the world. And so the very thing we're hoping to protect them from, which is being in danger or living in a threatening situation, is the very thing we cripple them with because we've not taught them skills. We've just taught them to be afraid. Um, Mm -hmm. And so wisdom, you know, biblical wisdom acknowledges there is evil in this world and uh, the mature learn to discern. And that comes by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That verse is Hebrews Mm -hmm. 5, 14. And I love it because it it sets this groundwork for... um, how do our children grow? They they learn good from evil. And then that comes by constant practice. And as parents and homeschooling parents know this, we're constantly engaging and teaching our kids and we're practicing, we're role playing, we're preparing them for what the world might look like around them and how they can engage well with that. And with that, you then raise mm-hmm. wise, discerning children. Right, right. So what are some of the best strategies to teach those skills to kids? Yeah, I often think, you know, I want to teach my kids to learn to evaluate behavior. One of the things that trips us up often, especially as believers, is that we were afraid of judging or um, misjudging people. And I think scripture is very clear that we're called to judge behavior, but we're notoriously uh, find it challenging to judge character because Bad people Mm -hmm. present as good people and good people present as good people and we can't see a person's heart. But I can teach my kids, evaluate somebody's words and actions. If somebody's asking you to do something, stop and ask the question, why? And is it good and right? Mm -hmm. Is it appropriate or inappropriate? Is it um, unclear? Is it morally gray? 
And if they stop and they learn to always evaluate behavior, then they're more likely um, to catch when something feels amiss. And if we teach them something Mm -hmm. makes you uncomfortable, go find another adult and ask them. Uh, If I teach them it's okay to evaluate behavior, it's okay to say, this makes me uncomfortable, help me understand it then kids Mm -hmm. feel the freedom to evaluate more readily relationships. That happens in school. It starts when they're younger with friendships and peer influences and bullying type environments. Then as they get older, you know, the issues grow from drugs and alcohol to peer pressure to cutting and self-injury to potentially being groomed by somebody. Uh, So I always want to teach my kids, learn to evaluate behavior, learn to ask good questions and ask why this is happening. Um, And the other thing we say, especially when our kids were young, is if somebody asks you to do something good, you always should listen no matter who it is. That means it could be a Mm -hmm. grandparent, a teacher, a coach, your brother or sister. It could be a two-year-old. It could be the family dog. And I get the kids giggling when I say that. But the point is, if somebody's telling you something right and good to do, you should always listen. It doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter uh, Mm -hmm. who's in charge. It's right and good. You should want to do that. Likewise, if somebody tells you the wrong thing to do, you never have to listen and we will support you. So as parents, Mm -hmm. we know we spend a majority of our time teaching our children compliance and obedience, but it's equally important to teach them when it's okay to defy authority, that if the authority is telling Mm -hmm. me to do something unwise, ungodly, immoral, illegal, you always have a right to say no and we'll support you. And then it's so important to role play that because in a healthy environment, Mm -hmm. most kids won't be disobeying or learning to defy their authority. So it's really important to role play and give them examples of what that might look like. So what might some of those conversations look look like? You know, um, I'm understanding that from the book that you want to start these conversations Mm -hmm. young. Um, You want to, and just now you were uh, referencing just that whole idea of being the safe person for your kids. Um, so what would that look like um, just starting at a young age? Yeah, we would start with, it could be with anybody, and this makes a lot of parents uncomfortable, but I say start with your own relatives because you, you want your children to learn that even people you love and trust could tell you to do the wrong thing. Um, so it could be with mm-hmm. a grandparent, it could be with a aunt or uncle or a cousin. Um, we would often talk about our babysitter and we'd say, if the babysitter tells you something good and right to do, you should always listen, even if you don't like it. Likewise, if the babysitter tells you something wrong to do, you should never listen and we will support you. What might be examples of things the babysitter tells you to do? And then we start brainstorming. Mm-hmm. And in a best situation, mm-hmm. our kids are going to say, well, our babysitter would never tell us anything bad to do. And I'm like, right, I would hope not. That's why we hire her. But if she were to, what would be some things that would be wrong to do? And you get them to brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And that could be letting us watch a TV show we're not allowed to, letting us have an extra dessert, letting us stay up later than you wanted us to. Those are things that most normal kids would come up with. And I say, that's right. Um, if the babysitter does that, then what should you do? And we're role playing. Then I bring up, mm-hmm. you know, other possibilities. Like what if the babysitter had you running down the street in the middle of the street, barking like a dog? 
and the kids are giggling and laughing and, and they're like, they would never do that. And I would say, I would hope not, but is that a good thing to do or a wrong thing to do? That's bad. Right. Well, what would you do? So I go from the likely, the probability to the silly and the ridiculous to then the more serious. Like Mm -hmm. what if they ask you to take a shower Mm -hmm. with them? Or what if they ask you to get undressed with them? And so what Mm -hmm. I've got to do as a parent is I've got to model that any of these conversations are safe to have with me, that I'm acknowledging these possibilities exist in the world. And if they were, you always have a right to say no and we'll support you. So what I've done is I've set a standard Mm -hmm. for my kids of evaluating good and bad. I've set a standard for mom and dad know that this might happen and they're not going to be upset if we say no to an adult. So that's where role-playing and that constant practice is going to be so vital and important. Um, And then we would move to grandparents, to cousins. And then as kids get older, we move to coaches and you know, I've got a 12-year-old son mm-hmm. who's into uh, sports right now. And I will, on and off, every couple of months, just talk about, hey, has any of your coaches ever done anything to make you uncomfortable? Tell me about it. And uncomfortable might just be they mm-hmm. raised their voice. Uncomfortable might be they right. made us do too much work. And I use that word because mm-hmm. it's a safe word to say uncomfortable doesn't always mean evil motives. Uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. can mean an array of things But then I'm giving my son the skill of figuring out when is it okay, when isn't it okay, and what do you do about it? Right, right. And you realize that they're in a process as we're having these conversations. This isn't a one and done thing. This is an ongoing conversation that can be built upon. And as they grow and develop... Um, their brains become more complex. They're uh, better able to kind of go a little more complex. Right, more abstract. Yeah, Yeah. or abstract, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's excellent. I love that. So there's one term that a lot of us, I think we've all heard it, it's stranger danger. Um, We often talk to our kids about this and tell them not to talk to strangers. But in your book, you urge parents to look at the stranger discussion differently. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Um, how have you taught your own children to talk yeah, to strangers? Yeah, and I've, I've read wiser people than me talk about how stranger danger is a myth. Um, and what I've said mm. to my kids is strangers aren't dangerous. Dangerous people are dangerous. And dangerous people can be strangers or people you know. So how do we figure out if somebody's mm. dangerous? Because... That's so yeah, good. and it's so challenging because, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking of... a. a dangerous person as somebody I didn't know who lurked in the corners and dressed like a homeless person and was scary and had, had tattered clothes. And so we give kids this image of somebody who's clean cut and shaven and friendly and approachable is safe and other people aren't. Instead of saying, the skill is evaluating people's actions and words. Um, and a dangerous person is somebody who asks you to do inappropriate or dangerous or wrong things. And that can be somebody you know, and it can be somebody you don't know. Um, so it breaks down that myth that I have to be afraid of approaching people. As a matter of fact, a lot of great literature talks about if your child's ever to get lost, their very ability to approach a stranger is what's going to help them. And so if I never teach my child, if you're to get lost, here's who you approach. And 
I get very practical and I say, guys, if you're ever lost, I want you to go find another mom with kids. Why another mom with kids? Mm-hmm. Because the chances of you picking a, uh, a female a sex offender with children is very low. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also means I'm giving my children, I'm equipping them with, if you go find a mom with kids, that mom is most likely to stick with you until you're safe and sound Mm -hmm. with either a parent or somebody Mm -hmm. trustworthy because their maternal instincts kick in. And so what I'm doing is I'm training my kids who you can trust, who to go to, what Mm -hmm. to say, what are our names, what's the phone number. You know, you're giving them the skills, not because you plan on them getting lost, but nobody plans on their children getting lost. Right. But instead I'm giving them the confidence. If you're ever lost, guess what? You'll be able to find a mom with kids. Now my kids loved, they love trying to catch me um, in, in a situation. And so they'd say, well, what if there is no mom with kids? And I would kind of laugh and say, where am I going to take five children where there's not going to be another mom with kids? But if that (laughs) were true, go find a woman. Well, what if there aren't any women? Well, then go find a dad with kids. And so they go down this line of trying to uh, debate it out with me. But but I love that because it was developing their their skills. It was developing what would we do if we were in this situation. Right, right. And, and it's, it's engaging yeah. them as well. Whenever kids are processing and they're asking questions and they're asking what ifs, they're fully engaged and you know they're yeah. getting um, everything that's being talked about. Yep. So I love that. Um, so your book isn't just about helping children make wise decisions, but parents too. So what are some of the wisdom issues that you address for parents in the book? Yeah, there, there are a lot of different ones. I mean, one that comes to our mind right away is the whole uh, question of sleepovers. And parents tend to have very strong opinions about how good it is or how unhelpful it is. And I leave it as a wisdom issue of um, there's so many complicating factors that maybe didn't exist when you and I were kids. Um, Mm -hmm. things like technology, or even if you trust the family, they could have other kids spending the night who bring in cell phones and are on late at night and kids are exposed to pornography. There's just all kinds of things that I don't want to live in fear, but I also want to be wise and say, all right, in the day and age we live, there are very few positives to sleepovers today. And there's a whole lot of potential negatives. And as a counselor, mm-hmm. I often hear of those negatives on a regular basis and of the hard things that happen uh, when kids are left unattended. So it's a wisdom issue. I don't think it's a moral right or wrong, but it takes a lot of thoughtfulness to say, what what are the potential risks and what are the potential gains? That's true with mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. that we don't need to come up with rules about what age it's really a wisdom issue to say, based on the needs of our family, based on my struggles or my strengths of my kids, and based on how I see uh, technology become so all-consuming, when do I think it's wise for my child to, to have it? And, mm-hmm. and how will I guard their hearts in the midst of it? And will I teach them the stewardship principles involved? And as you can hear, that takes a whole lot of proactive prayer and assessing and evaluating. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly how we should approach parenting our kids. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I love your book because it's it's divided between equipping children and, and equipping teens and young mm-hmm. adults. And then, of course, as you just mentioned, parents as well. Um, can you just kind of give us a brief flyover of what some of the topics are that you address for each age group? Yeah. So with the younger children, I think we, we talk about um, things like when children are bullied or what to do if a child gets lost the issues of sleepovers, how to interview babysitters, even family things like what are our safe words or family uh, or family safety plans if we need them. Um, we talk about technology and technology for younger children, then children in high school, and then even young adults. Um, when kids get into the teen years, you have to start talking about relationships again, relationships with parents. Uh, the issues of peer pressure and um, sex and dating, pornography, social media, you know, and then comes the conversations about alcohol and drugs and vaping um, and even what to do when uh, your friends struggle with mental health issues and how to think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Then you move into the college mm-hmm. years where now uh, young adults are more independent. They're driving on their own. I think of, I have daughters who, when they're driving, how do they keep themselves safe at night? When do they pull over and not pull over? Who do they open their window for when somebody approaches them? And what do they do when they're on campus alone? And how do they just be thoughtful Mm -hmm. about their surroundings? They're not things Mm -hmm. to instill Mm -hmm. fear, but to make them prepare to say, I go into the world feeling comfortable because I know what I can do to remain safe And then at the end of the day, I teach my kids, trust the Lord, that if you're being wise Mm -hmm. and you're being thoughtful and you're evaluating your surroundings, then we can lay our head down at night and trust the Lord to be our protection. Mm, That's so good. Um, But I love the proactive approach that this book is encouraging. I think about the proverb that says, a wise man looks ahead, but the fool keeps going and suffers for it. So we're doing this as parents, but we're also walking alongside of our kids and teaching them to do it as well. And I think that's just absolutely essential. I wanted to share a quick story before we close. Um, Our daughter is, well, she's 21 now, but she was 20 at the time. I just heard this story a couple months ago. I was absolutely blown away, but she was driving to another town about an hour away. And I think it was, I don't know what, it was a slow traffic day um, in terms of how many cars were on the road. But this um, vehicle came up behind her with lights, but not really siren, like a, didn't really look exactly like a cop car, but it mm. looked very much like a cop car. And um, anyway, they, it flashed lights and had uh, some sort of, I don't know if it had actual, you know, this like the siren type mm-hmm. lights, but was flashing lights at her. She had the wisdom and it's not because I gave it to her. I was just thanking God for his protection. But she thought to herself, if, if, if he's, if it's an actual police officer, he's going to turn on his siren. Mm. And he never did that. And this happened twice on this trip and she did not pull over. And we came to find out later that this was a, a stretch of highway that sex traffickers are um, basically yeah. acting like they're police officers and getting people to pull over, especially young girls. She was by herself mm-hmm. um, and and just 
you know, abducting them. And oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> it just was such a stark reminder of, of the world that we live in, but also a wonderful reminder of God's incredible faithfulness. Um, because even though I had never thought to have that conversation with her, you know, of course, we pray diligently over her safety and and we prepared her in other ways. And so, you know, and and she's also her, she has a good relationship with the Lord. And so I feel like she's listening to him and all of that. And so it, it, it was just uh, a reminder of just the faithfulness mm. of God and how he knows, he knows the world we're living in. He knows the world our children are growing up in and, and they were made for such a time as this. But as parents, we have a responsibility to equip them um, to live well um, and to live safely in this world. So um, I love that this book covers all ages um, and definitely it's one that I would encourage all of you moms to check out. Um, Julie, can you tell us how moms can find your book? Yeah, you can find uh, the book on Amazon and also through the publisher New Growth Press um, on their website, newgrowthpress.com. All right, great. And um, if there are other ways that uh, moms can connect with you, you can send me those links and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, but we'll for sure put those two links in for the book. And I'm so grateful that you were here with us today. So thank you for spending thank time with us. Thank you for having me. Will you go ahead and close in a yeah, word of prayer? I'd be happy to. Let's pray. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we can lay our head down at night because you are our refuge, our very present help in trouble. So would you help us to be wise uh, and discerning? Would you help us as parents that we would raise children who know good from evil and who love you and walk in your way so that they would know that you're a very present help as well. Give us um, the grace and the wisdom to do this well, Lord. In your name, amen. Hey moms, before you leave, I want to share with you a new resource from Classical Conversations. It's called Scribblers at Home, Recipes from Lifelong Learners. It's, this is an at-home curriculum for homeschool families with children ages four to eight. Step-by-step -step activities and easy-to-follow charts will help you cultivate a love of lifelong learning in your child through intentional everyday play. Find magic in the mundane as your kitchen becomes a classroom, your backyard becomes a laboratory, and your child develops simple learning rhythms that will carry them through life. You can use Scribblers at Home to complement the Classical Conversations Foundations program or just on its own. Either way, this new resource will help homeschool parents of little learners create a family environment where habits like playing, praying, and reading come naturally. Learn more at classicalconversations.com slash scribblers dash Dorinda, and I will leave that link in the show notes. Have a great day, moms. <music>